Lord. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy the ride. Yo, this is Yay Yay Martinez. This is Big Jeff. With us today, we have some regulars. Brian the Professor. Hey guys. Ow! Go, go, go! And Cody the Caterer. Hello, everybody. They're excited what? to be here. <laughs> Man, it's 2018. This is the first one in 2018. Coming off the State of the Union, we will address the Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast State of the Union today. Yes, we will, I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're just going to talk like we normally do, everyone. Yes. Uh, and we are excited to be continuing this journey in 2018. Uh, we look through all of the uh, analytics from 2017. We have listeners in Japan. Arigato. We got listeners in Jamaica. Jamaica. That's right. Where else? North Carolina. Oh, yeah. We, we went States. right from Jamaica to North Carolina. In the States. <laughs> California. Knows how to party. We had a listener in Egypt. One listener. One Who list- knows what happened to that person? <laughs> <laughs> they might have hit it by mistake. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this will probably be a hodgepodge. Uh, but we do have some, some great substance for you guys today. We have a couple of topics that we've been tossing around. But other than that, you know, you're kicking it with us. We're going to chat it up a bit, tell you where we are with our family lives, and then uh, get into some some, uh, some old school shiggity. You understand what I'm saying, man? Oh, old school. Jeff. Yay, yay. You, my friend, are officially a voiceover actor. I do not consider myself. Here you go. I humbly disagree a with voice you. Over actor. <laughs> you sound like one. To me, I would be a professional voice over actor when I get my first paycheck. Ooh. Hey, Brett, where's my wallet? Where's my wallet? <laughs> right? Because when I, I finished, I actually recorded my demo and the whole bit. Mm-hmm. And. They said, congratulations, you're a professional voice actor. That's what I just called you. You said no. Did and you tell them no when they I said it? I told them no as well. I agree with you on this, though. I wasn't like, I didn't consider myself a professional designer or photographer until I got my first paycheck. Mm. You're a hobbyist until then. Wow. I agree. Talk about downgrading, my man. He just went through all that stuff and you downgrade this man to a hobbyist? I'm a dreamer, hoping to become a voice actor. Well, we're all dreamers now, right? (laughs) How do you feel about About what? (laughs) (laughs) What 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 would you, Mr. Professor, um, consider? Well, would you consider Jeff a professional actor? Um, and what would you think is the difference between a hobbyist and an actor? So I do like Jeff's point about getting paid, but I also think there's something, I mean, the difference between a hobbyist and a profession, professional is working towards getting paid, right? Just because an actor's doing things and not, maybe not getting gigs, they're going to auditions, they're trying. 
I mean, that's, that could still be your profession. So that's how I would say that might tip in the area, as long as you're actively seeking employment in that field, I'm going to call you a professional voiceover. Wow. Whenever the wow. professor says it, it's true. That's it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> you got it. So it is said, so it lobbyist. shall be. <laughs> <laughs> the professor has spoken. So when do you anticipate, like, how are you seeking this first gig? So I, I physically have my demo now, and... I can make copies of the CD. How amazing would it be if we had somebody that when you said, I physically have my demo now, like played a piece of your demo. That would be so amazing if we knew somebody that could do something like that. It would be. Oh. Cody the caterer. Yeah. <laughs> and man brings it all. He brings it all. So you're seeking opportunities now. I think it's uh, I can voice dot Jeff. Brother, I think. Well, you better figure it out, bro, because you're trying to sell yourself. Maybe he is a hobbyist, Maybe he is a hobbyist <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Huh? Is there is there anything oh, that there we go? Can I download this? It's not gonna feed it to my dog. I gotta download it. Uh, Hefe, Hefe, is there is there anything that uh you you've sought out since uh? Oh, there, no, the download button has been disabled, but I'm gonna get through it anyway. This man is just shitting all over your dream, bro. Called you a hobbyist, said your stuff is broken. Um, I agree. <laughs> so, so what? What are you looking for right now? Have you found something that you? Uh... Nope. I just got the demo. The website went up. I am going to within the next week or so get a. Uh, what do they call it? That web design. Squarespace. Squarespace. Okay. I'm gonna shout out to Squarespace. We're looking for sponsors. Gonna do that. Uh, and then after that's done, I'm going to actively, I have to get business cards made, postcards made, and then I will actively start putting myself out there, marketing myself. Mm. So I can drop it in there, but I got to stop it. You know, one way you can do that is um, go to the corner of the town center and just spin a sign around that says, <laughs> Jeff Fremen. Jeff Fremen. <laughs> I am Jeff Fremen, voiceoveracting.com, nice. or whatever you said that it was. Nice. Like, sh- 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 sure. Why not? Yeah. If I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> right? Can I pay you like five bucks to do that every time I go into a bar or something for like a night? Sure. I, I get that though, because when, when uh, I was to Cody's point, um, I mean, the caterer has so many different things going on, but when I started doing comedy, like I didn't consider, like I used to say that I do comedy as opposed to call myself a comedian until I actually got that first gig. I will say though, some cats that are out there attempting comedy think that they are at a level, at a professional level once they do a little hole in the wall spot and somebody gives them twenty bucks, right? I mean, right. I get it, but listen, son, your your, your stuff isn't isn't up to par, right? right. Put the work, polish in. it. Put the work in. Yeah, go ahead, professor. Go ahead and correct me. Never mind. Go <laughs> ahead, oh, yeah, man. No. no, no, I'm not correcting you, but like, so are they just a bad comedian or are they not a comedian to you? It's a mixture of both. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, 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 everybody's starting out as a bad comedian, right? You don't just jump on. You 
listen, they called me a prodigy when I started. But, <laughs> but that's a true story. But uh, Find the quote. for the most part, you're, you're a bad comedian when you start. You don't know how to um, set up your jokes. You don't, like, you don't know the timing. Like, you don't know how to work with different crowds, things like that. So you're bad technically, right? It's like picking up a baseball bat and thinking you can go out and hit home runs all the time. Like, it just doesn't happen. You have to put the work in. So, but some cats um, start hitting singles and think, like, I'm the shit now. It doesn't work like that, bro. Uh, I don't even know if that makes sense, what I said, but... No, I, I agree. I think it's a lot like when you have, like, a band, and maybe, like, the band has its, like, first gig, right? And then they're like, oh, maybe they get, like, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. It's gotta be... Ba, 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 and then, like, so now they, they kind of get, like, a big head, and now they're like, oh, we can just go book these, like, monster gigs. We're, we're, we're professionals. We're gonna get signed. And then they book shit shows. Yeah. You and book then, shit shows, you get paid money by people that think you're what a comedian is, and now you, you're... To Brian's point, like, you got this ego... And, bro, you haven't even hit a home run yet. Yeah, I think there's plenty of, like, I've seen, like, and I guess in the same case, like, bands where maybe they've, like, maybe they play fewer shows, and they're really good fewer shows, and they're not really getting paid, and there's a band that's playing 10, 20 shows a month, and they're getting, they're getting paid. Maybe it's getting paid shit, or maybe they're playing shit. I'd consider that other band more of a professional. Which other band? The band that's playing less shows, but being, acting in a more professional manner, and, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. playing that role better. Then the band that's like going out playing shitty, not practicing, maybe they're getting paid for it. I'd consider them less of a professional, though. So I think there is some like context. Yeah, I think you're still. But the question I like: at what point do you start saying like, "No, I'm a comedian. I have to start identifying that way and telling people that's what I'm." So I'll be taken that way, right? Because if you're just an aspiring comedian, that's how you introduce yourself. Are you going to get gigs? Or like the confidence factor, right? That balance. So like, that's a question I have for you because like you had to figure that out, like. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Like, you are what you say you are. You know what I mean? You become what you, you choose to become. Uh, I mean, I guess you consider yourself you can consider yourself technically a professional comedian when that's your profession. Like, you're doing that for a living, like, on the road, getting gigs. Like, that's your thing, just like an actor, right? Like, a working actor is out there actually uh, doing auditions, trying to get the next the next commercial, the next show, whatever it is, pitching themselves, uh, all that stuff. So I guess technically, like, for a professional comedian, that's what you would say, but uh, for me, when I, when I made the switch in my brain from I do comedy to becoming a comedian is when I was able to touch different audiences with... Oh. Pause. Uh, I was able to reach. <laughs> I was able to reach uh, diverse audiences with my material. Um, I was connecting with people, and I was confident. And my my presence was that of a professional comedian. You know what I mean? So that's when I kind of made the switch in my brain, and I was like, "Oh, I can actually do this, and I can." It, it would be hard, but I could quit my my actual career and pursue this and feel confident that I could make it. So that's kind of when I made the switch in my brain that I was a comedian. So it's not just about the paycheck. I think in certain arts, it's not about the paycheck, right? What's around that as well. Yeah, it's like... Acting professionally, mm -hmm. are you being a professional? Right. Are you showing up on time? Are you making the right connections? Are you responding to emails? Are you showing up drunk or high or are you showing up to play the game? I think all of that comes into play too. Are you are you actually being 
a professional. Well, I never show up drunk or high, Cody, but uh, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I'm like, like a writer, right? You can't call yourself a writer if you're not writing every day. You can't call yourself a comedian if you uh, book one shitty show and don't go out and nobody sees you on the scene and you're not working on your, on your jokes and your material. You can't consider yourself a comedian. I think some of these cats that come off the street see a couple of people that have done some jokes that are trying new stuff that are actual comedians and they don't understand the process of, of actually going out to Mike's, testing material, working it out, you know what I mean? Tossing it out, putting new stuff in. They don't understand. They just see, oh, I can do that. And then, like, that's how I got started. I saw a dude doing jokes and I was like, I think I can be just as funny as them. Not funnier, because I didn't know, but I feel like I could be just as funny as them. But then once I started to understand the inner workings of what it takes to actually be considered a comedian in my brain, and I started putting that work in, that's when I was like, when it was absorbing most of my time outside of my regular career, that's when I was like, okay, I'm a comedian. So I think like in your case, Jeff, like when you start becoming a working voiceover actor, like when you're putting yourself out there, when you got your website up, when you got cards out, when you're doing all that, you're selling yourself, and like that absorbs the rest of your time when you get home, obviously outside of family right, and everything, right. then that switch in your brain will probably go, you know what, I am a voiceover actor and it's not just something that I do right. on the side, right. you know. Well, it's funny because I remember one time I that introduced somebody to you and I was like, oh yeah, and he does comedy on the side. And you were like, whoa. And you were like, I'm a comedian. You introduced me to somebody? You introduced me to somebody and said that? Yeah. That actually might have been me. Oh. <laughs> oh. And you were like, hold on there. Right, right, right. You got damn right. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I feel that way now. I wouldn't have felt that way two or three years ago. Right. You know? Right. Maybe two years ago, but not three years ago. That's for sure. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that was a tangent, right? That was a soapbox. Uh, so I surprised... My my daughter just turned seventeen. Transition, transition, transition. Pew 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 pew. pew. Uh, my daughter turned seventeen, uh, January thirtieth. So we uh, we surprised her yesterday. Two days ago. Two days ago. Okay. Two, two days ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and her present, we did like the box within a box within a box within a box. Right, right, right. Like and a Russian box. Like was, a Russian doll box. Yes. yes. Nesting dolls. Is Nest- Nesting doll. Why did not call Russian? I thought they were called Russian dolls. Russian nesting dolls. The caterer. Oh, so uh, I was half right, and then y'all want to jump in. Nesting. I said Russian. They said nesting. We were, we were both right. We're both right. <laughs> We're both right, bro. Like, the so. professor just shit on me like, nah, bro, it's nesting. <laughs> so in the boxes, we did a picture of uh, chairs, and then we did a, uh, a plus sign, and the next box was uh, a picture <laughs> of a stage with curtains and chairs. Then plus... So the next one was a microphone, and the next one was equals, and it was a picture of Ed Sheeran, and we wound up getting tickets for her and a friend and the wife 
to go to Ed Sheeran in, in like November or September or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. And she flipped her shit. <laughs> she was freaking out, crying. She sat there and she was crying hysterically on the couch. And I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't What's breathe. What's the song? I'm thinking out loud. Is that thinking? Is it called thinking out loud? I don't know. I don't know any of the songs. Actually. Is that Ed Sheeran? I heard some of the songs before. And he has a pretty good voice. This song is called Thinking Out Loud. Yeah. Google fact check. Nice. Cody. Fact check. Yeah, so she flipped out. And, dude, I just, I sat there. I'm like, how is she 17 years old, man? You know? like I, dude, I was talking to my daughter yesterday, uh, FaceTime. And she's talking to me about, like, plans for when she graduates high school. Yeah. And she's talking about, like, the Air Force and stuff. And I was like, I literally, uh, excuse the caterer, he just burped. <laughs> uh, he did burp into his elbow, though. He, he dabbed on it. Um, <laughs> like, literally, I was, last night, woke up in the middle of the night thinking about her, like, joining the service. And, my like, my eyes were watering, man. Right. It's wild, man. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Can you? I mean, I'm sure your eyes are watering when you're like, "Man, my daughter's about to leave with Ed Sheeran." And <laughs> 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 it's like, please, please leave with oh, Ed Sheeran. Man. Just crazy, you know. You remember holding them in the palm of your hand, bro. Yeah, you know. Depends on how big your palm was, but yeah. And I got big mitts. <laughs> <laughs> People are imagining you as like a, a baby. <laughs> Dude, so the same thing with me. Like, we were talking about her graduating the other day, and she only has one more class to take. Like, Shit. after this school season is done, season? a year, <laughs> this, this school year is done, uh, she only has one class to take. So, if she does it over the summer, she'll be done. Do you think that she'll do it over the summer? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What classes? She it? changed her shit around, bro. It's amazing now. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, math. Math class. Awesome. Mm. So, and then... Is she, that what it's called? Math class? Math class. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then she'll be dumb, bro. She'll graduate a year early. That's legit. You know? So... That's good, because you... you I, I know you talked about her... Uh, kind of some of the challenges she had in school and whatnot, man. So for her to turn that around like that, man, that's amazing. She must have got some participation trophies along the way that really boosted her confidence. <laughs> transition, transition, transition. I do <laughs> not believe in transit. Uh, transi- <laughs> in transition. He doesn't trophies. believe in transition trophies. Wow. Hey, that's that's a topic oh. for another day. <laughs> participation trophies. Hey, Professor, we were we were briefly talking about participation trophies um, beforehand. I, do you know, you understand? Like, yeah, yeah. So, um, and we talked about, like, the environment that we, we live in now, right? Like, it's a different era from when we grew up in first place, second place, all this stuff. And we talked about what kind of value does giving out participation trophies have on the individuals that are receiving them. So, like, it's obviously a mixed bag, right? Because at one at one point, you're you're encouraging people to participate, right? So even though you might not be good at something, you stick with it, you get better, it's rewarding, things like that. But it also kind of 
is shitty, right? Because you're not acknowledging when people, when kids are truly exceptional in something and encouraging them. So it's kind of, it's, you think you're, you know, you're bringing down, I don't say bringing down, but like kind of stifling the, the, the people who, yeah, exactly to, in order to value those who aren't. And so it's, uh, it's kind of a, a tricky thing. Like, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of participation trophies. Like, I think you need to, I, I remember getting like trophies when I was young, right? Like, or ribbons, like first place when we had a field day. And that felt awesome, man. Like when you knew you got first place out of the entire fifth grade or whatever it was in the hundred meter dash, like that was a big deal. And so like, that's, that's not the moral of the story, man. <laughs> I think I got like, I think I got like third in discus and like a few other things, but like this is elementary school, right? And it also encourages you to find your strengths and explore new things. Like, and so I think that it's uh, exactly what I was saying earlier. But uh, doesn't a, doesn't a participation trophy do the same thing for those that didn't get that first, second, or third place? No, I, you're right. That's what I was saying. Like, it, it does. It encourages people to continue to participate, maybe get better and hone their skills. But at the same time, it 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 has a negative effect on others potentially. And so, see, I I said earlier that. To me, if somebody gets a trophy for not winning, they're like, oh, well, I got a trophy for not winning. What, what's my incentive to do more? Uh, I think at, at a certain age and uh, places, you look at kids, right, and you want to you say, hey, go out and play soccer, right? What, what, when do kids start playing soccer? Like second, third grade, right? And the kid says, no, I don't want to, right? First of all, why would you play soccer? Because soccer's amazing. <laughs> what, what sport would you like? Basketball? Would that be better to say? Okay. And he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to. They're like, no, you need to go out there and make, meet friends and mingle. And so when you have kids at a certain age that are already struggling to kind of interact socially and do things, and then at the end of the season or the tournament, they see everybody else like, fuck this, I don't want to do this. See, all those kids, this is why I didn't want to do this. So I think it's, a, it's an age thing. It's a, you know, it's a timing thing. And it's, the problem is it seems at like what, you can't do one without the other. At what age would you cut off participation children? I have no. I'm not a child development specialist. Like I wouldn't. Cody the caterer is. All right, let's hear it. No, false. Not a specialist, but I've read. Hey, really quickly but, though, I wanted to point out Jeff using the word incentive. Yes. I mean, ever since he started doing his voiceover acting, like his vocabulary has expanded. Well, he's got immensely. all these big words now. <laughs> <laughs> no, so like the point that I was making earlier was that when we were talking discussing this beforehand was that was that I think it's okay to show um, like incentive or show recognition without giving them Find a your own word, bro. Jeff used incentive. Recognition. <laughs> without giving them a physical award. Like people participate in marathons. They may not win, but they have the number to show they were there. I think kids gaining an actual award, like a, a physical thing that says you, you accomplished something, you accomplished being there. And you accomplish participating and being a part of that ecosystem. Maybe giving them a certificate or something that says they were there, but not an actual award. Maybe not calling it a participation award or trophy. Trophy in... in well, I mean, nobody calls it award. People say award. <laughs> well, no, like... All right. but I think you're, like... I don't want to say, like, kind of defeating what you're saying. You're like, they accomplished one thing, being there. And at a certain mm -hmm. age, like, committing and sticking with it, right? Kids quit stuff all the time. Yes. And so you're right. I think it's a matter of scaling the reward to the accomplishment and mm -hmm. still recognizing the exceptional kids yeah. who, whether it's natural talent or put in the work, right? Um, 
But you're right. Yeah, maybe it's not a trophy. Maybe it is a certificate or a ribbon versus yeah, whatever. Or maybe just the fact that they were there and experienced that and felt that connection and experience with everybody else. Maybe that's the award. Maybe that's all you need. But I think you'd be hard to explain that to younger children. So, right? Like, I think they that is the, the reward or the award or however you want to phrase it. A-word. And then, <laughs> Yeah, award. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, even though that is what they're getting out of it, they don't like to put it in those terms to them doesn't make sense. Even though they are getting, you know, social enrichment out of it, to put it in those terms to them isn't, they're going to be like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I said after like kindergarten, stop giving away <laughs> words. You see, it's weird though, because like when I was a kid, and I, I said this to the guys earlier, back in the 50s, that, uh, <laughs> back in my day, uh, that, that, I, I played I played every sport when I was a kid, but particularly soccer. rugby. Uh, they didn't have <laughs> rugby back then. Um, <laughs> um, but when when I played soccer, it was when we won a game, we got taken to Carvel. It was an ice cream place yeah, in man, New York. Oh, it was fantastic. And remember the Miss, the Mister Softy truck you used to drive by all the time. You, yeah. With the sprinkles? Cream. That's all you needed yep. was ice cream cone with the sprinkles, oh, man. God. I'm so fat. I love it. Dude, that that Mr. Selfie was amazing. Dude, I would have loved to just put my mouth right under that dispenser and just, oh. Go back to the sports, bro. Uh, <laughs> ice cream. So when we won a game, we got taken to Carvel for ice cream. Did you coach okay. you your pants? Coach did it. And when we lost a game... We didn't get shit. <laughs> and we got told to practice harder to win next time. And that was it. At the end of the season, did everyone get a trophy? Uh, no. Really? Nope. The, so they had it if, you know, you play the different games, like yeah. semifinals and all that stuff, and the championship, the winner of that got trophies, the whole team. And a loser didn't get anything. And to me, it was something to work towards. You practice harder and, and you, I, I want that trophy and I damn want ice cream. But it was, so, that, that was the incentive. So take yourself back and like put yourself in like your child mindset if you can, because this obviously is a very vivid memory for you if you can remember the sprinkles and all this stuff. <laughs> like, was it really the trophy that you wanted or being a winner? Being a winner. So like, is the trophy that big of a deal it, or just the fact that you get a claim like, yeah, you may have your little, you know, so that, I guess that's just something I'm thinking about. Like, as we talk about this, right. But is like it really that me, the motivation for the kid versus the title, you know what I'm saying? Well, like we knew that the trophy came with the win, you know, and it was, we wanted to be the best. So it was that whole thing of, you know, you're playing your heart out. You know, as opposed to now I see some games, like we went to friends of ours, and when the kids were little, they would play soccer, and you would see, like, some kids picking flowers, (laughs) you know? You would see, like, there's action over here, but, like, one person, one kid is just standing there not doing anything and not caring, you know? So it's like there was none of that when I was a kid. Like, you would attack that ball and, you know? So, tack them balls. Tack them balls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Everybody put your knickers on. We're going to go out here and... Uh, so, here's a thought. My thought, obviously, right? We live in a different era now, right? The environment, the ecosystem, is, as the caterer called it, is totally different. And I feel that there's a need, right, for kind of this interdependence and this collaboration and, and this communication at a much younger age. Um, and that I, I think with the participation trophies or, or awards, whatever you want to call them, uh, <laughs> I think it lends itself to creating a much more communicative environment for these young individuals that are growing up that could lend itself to potentially a better environment overall, right? Go ahead, Professor. No, I'm just going to agree. Uh, You're going to agree? What's <laughs> up, baby? That, the, uh, you know, maybe the idea is right. It's the delivery of the execution that we've still got to refine, right? Like, um, we are. We're in a kind of a different society. Kids at a much younger age have phones, are more and more detached. Social skills are at an all-time low for uh, children. Oh, yeah. And so maybe if this is what we have to do, to incentivize them to a certain age. I mean, I don't have children, so it's not not fair for me to say. Like I don't. But um, no, that's a great point. it's if I'm saying if that is the outcome, right? If that's truly what we're trying to get at, then it's a worthy endeavor to negotiate that space and figure it out. Do you think that participation trophies then are actually kind of a scapegoat for you using words and actions to express exactly what this whole point is? What? So you're saying you what? Wanna, yeah. So like, think about it. you're what? trying to express to them like you want better social skills, you want more connection and interaction, but a and lot of just times when general you, activity as yeah, well. So a lot of times, <laughs> we think about how these participation trophies and awards are given is that here you go, 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 and then it's done, it's over. Would it be better to have that or a conversation or interaction with that person and the rest of their team to? actually make what you're talking about well i mean i think that's, that in tandem with well, I was gonna say, the that's trophy the, that's the essence of like a team sport right now yeah. that's the analogy we're using so maybe this this idea of the participation thing doesn't fit into all models that they give that stuff out for but if you get a trophy at the end of the season for participating you've got 12 weeks where you met for practice you did that and all these different things and it's hard to like you said we talked about earlier for a smaller child, it's difficult to explain to them, like, no, your reward was the fact that you, you interact with other human beings and have friends now. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's obviously a cutoff for that. I mean, I don't know. Like, I try and think back. I used to play soccer growing up, and I remember, like, the trophy was really cool in second grade. I put it on my dresser, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I did something. And then <laughs> I think in, like, fifth and sixth grade, I was like, I don't give a shit about this damn trophy. I want to win. And so, like, I and not every kid, you know, maybe makes that transition, but I think, yeah, there's an age appropriateness for it. Um, but maybe if I didn't have that, I mean, I don't know, but maybe if I didn't have that positive reinforcement when I was young, maybe I didn't stick with it as long. And I'm not, okay. I'm not a big fan of the whole everyone gets participation, but if, there, if there's an intention well thought behind it, then, I mean, it seems to make sense. So to Jeff's point about the kid picking flowers, like, do you think they deserve the participation award as well? Well, I mean, if this kid's 14, <laughs> like, if he's 14 years old, then no. But if this is a six or a seven-year-old, you know, like, who's still figuring things out, I mean, maybe, right? Like, okay. he's so, out there. It's especially, I mean, it, I hate to say, like, the parents' goals, but, like, you know, if the, the point is the kid needs to get there and get some socialization, 
I get that he's out picking flowers on his own, but you know, if he's huddling up with them at the halftime or he's going to the practices like he's supposed to, then it's okay. I mean, he's picking flowers, giving everybody a flower. So like, yo, hey, listen, I just picked these flowers. Then how about I want okay, everybody to have one. The game, but I've got the refreshments afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I've got, like, you know what maybe, I mean? Maybe we agree that when you hit sixth everybody. grade, then you hit middle school, no, no longer participation. Everybody uh, has something to contribute. You know what I mean? So I think. In many ways, this helps them realize what their contribution was. You know what I mean? And you can recognize that um, by saying, hey, listen, you were in right field picking all the flowers. But you know what? When, you, when we huddled up, you gave everybody a flower. And everybody's like, this is kind of corny. But you know what? Thanks for the flower, bro. And, then and they made that person feel good. Right. And they kick up with the top 90 and they win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like, I think a part of it is, is... Like I said, the intention behind it versus like, is this a babysitting gig for my kids? Is this and that? But if the goal, like we said, if there's like an, a heartfelt goal behind it, then yeah. Um, but when it comes to the parents like raising noise and ruckus because their kid didn't get something and all this and that, like I think it's a different conversation then. It's not about the kid anymore. It's about, it's about the parent getting an award for the kid instead of it being about the kid. Yeah. If the kid doesn't care, if they get an award, who, who cares, right? Like, yeah. And so I think that... Uh, yeah, it's got to be this all around. Everyone's got to be on the same page. And I will say that I don't think everybody is. So I love how we uh, brought up this kind of circa 2008 conversation about participation <laughs> trophies. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Someone was telling me one time they were like, everyone complains that we're the generation. You know, what are we? What is this generation that they keep calling everybody? The millennials? They're like, oh, yeah, them and their participation trophies. They're like, Motherfucker, we didn't give them to ourselves. Like, you, the generation that's complaining about are the ones who decided to start giving them to us. Like, you say we're this entitled generation because we, all we got were participation trophies. Well, I wasn't five years old going to buy this at the trophy yeah. shop. Like, you guys made these decisions for us to do this stuff. And, like, you know. That's funny, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of, like, winning and, and trying hard and stuff. So, we're in 2018 now. And I know last year we had certain things that we wanted to do, right? <laughs> like I said, my mantra, because I don't believe in resolutions, but my mantra that I was going to live by for the year was to step out of my comfort zone. And I think that I did that. You know, I did the whole voiceover thing, taking the classes and doing the demo. And this year, uh, the caterer and I were talking just earlier and I said my mantra was making it happen. So transition. You transitioned from Yeah. So to, from thinking to doing. Right. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, did you have anything in your head that you were going with for this year? Uh, you know, and also, you know, the whole resolution versus uh life change thing so <clears throat> i don't think that i came into the new year like oh this is my resolution uh there's some things that i wanted to accomplish definitely uh so i think on our last episode was right before the new year yep right and like not to not to bring the mood down or anything, but we talked about having a sick uncle and, and he passed on, on New Year's Eve. Um, so 
for me, kind of going into the new year was really about like family and the importance of family and <clears throat> just telling people that you love them, keeping them close, all of that stuff, you know, uh, and just recognizing that. I mean, he was young and it, it happened suddenly, you know, I right. mean, it was probably over the course of a month, but that's suddenly. Yeah. Um, so that really impacted our family in a way. And kind of, I think it kind of made me realize that uh, we only have but a certain amount of time to deliver our goods to everybody else. So I, I wanted to come into 2018 making sure that I can uh, deliver whatever, whatever it is that I have, be it compassion, love, advice, uh, comedy, my talents, my skills. I wanted to contribute those to the world and make sure that I do it in an impactful way um, because of the way that he lived his life and the impact that he made. Um, and I wanted to demonstrate to my family that, because uh, I, I don't come from like, like my family were just, for the most part, just workers, right? There's nobody out there that was like seeking this big, uh, this big accolade or this big- Big position. Whatever, yeah, like they, they just grinded and they got out of their environment and they made a better world for me and my cousins. So like nobody was like, I wanna be an actor, I wanna be an artist, I wanna be a musician, I wanna do this, like there was none of that. So I feel that because I have some of those talents Right, that I want to see how far I can take it for my family. So I didn't come in with a resolution. I just wanted to push myself to the absolute brink with the talents that I have to see where it can catapult my family. Um, but that was a long-winded answer. No, not at all, bro. So not a resolution, but just uh, kind of a realization that time is limited and you have to leverage your skills to uh, kind of help continue this family legacy and maybe take us to another stratosphere. That's awesome, brother. Oh. Nice. Professor? Well, I actually have a question for you, for you kind of talking about it. Flip it back. I don't want to answer it. No, I'll, I'll answer because I'm still kind of like working it over I'll my head. I'll ball it back. It's okay. But no, um, I guess something I struggle with, right, is making change, like especially substantial change in my life. And like, um, like how do you do it, right? Like you, this mantra you're going into, how do you continue that all year and then have that momentum at the end of the year, you know, November, December to be doing the voiceover stuff? Like that's huge, right? Like that's a, that's a big commitment. Um, it's, not, it's easy to say like, oh, I'm going to get outside my, my comfort zone and then do one or two things throughout the year. I mean, so I'm just curious, like, how you accomplish that? Is it just sheer straight will? Is it letting people in around? Like, what, what was your formula for success to, like, culminate at the end of the year, that big thing? So it was – so it was probably, like, a little bit of luck, and then it was just persistence on my part. So I uh, – a friend told me that they were having a voiceover course – at one of the colleges and it came up because we were talking about it and I said you know I've wanted to do this for years like 20 years or more and I never did right it was work 
obsessed with work and doing so many hours at work and it was family, you know, doing so much stuff and then having kids and right. It was all, if you really think about it, just excuses. But at the time I was like, I have to work these two full-time jobs to take care of my family and do this stuff because this is everyday real life. And I don't have the bandwidth to pursue this dream that I have. And finally, right, I'm 46 years old, and my friend said, hey, they're having this course. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. It's, it's my time. And finally, I took the course, and then from there, they had additional courses that I had taken, and it was training me on what to do and how to sound and all, all this stuff. Go ahead. So when the opportunity came up, did you think back to that mantra change? Was it like, I told myself I was going to get out of my comfort zone? Oh, yeah. Okay. I just didn't know if it was like kind of harking back and you were remembering that all year at those opportunities. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. It was, it was the point of saying, right, for 20, 25 years, I've wanted to do this. Now here's opportunity. And to me, I was looking at it about stepping out of my comfort zone. I am going to actively pursue this thing. And I am going to make this, well, now I'm saying make it happen, right? Make this happen no matter what. And luckily, I had the support of my wife. You know, the, the course afterwards was a lot of money. And, but... I learned so much. And from that, as I'm doing it, and I'm taking these classes, and from the first class to the last class, seeing how much better I got and understanding what they were teaching and everything else, you know, here I am. I'm speaking with these people and producers and directors and, and all these people, and... I'm stepping out of my comfort zone because here it is. I'm reading these scripts and doing these things with them on the phone. And, you know, I was nervous and embarrassed at first. You know, at first I was like, it's all all a voice, right? For years I've been told that I have this amazing voice and blah, blah, blah. And I thought it was all about the voice. But then you realize it's actually how you deliver the lines and inflection and all this different stuff. So it was like, okay, I'm going to forget everything that I thought it was and step out of my comfort zone and totally think differently and do things. And, you know, here it is. Normally I go home, kick off my clothes, throw on some shorts, and I'm just chilling with the fam and just relaxing after a long day's work. But instead I would hop onto the computer and practice and practice and practice and I would go for a cigarette on a break you know and I would sit there and say things out loud you know that like that's what they had taught me to do. Hey this is Big Jeff (laughs) just you know (laughs) but it's totally a it for me it was totally about you have to change your way of thinking and you have to truly step out of your comfort zone. Like I said, 
I'm used to doing this routine. I've done this routine for seven years, seven and a half years. Go to work, come home. Go to work, come home. Go to work, come home. There was nothing in between. I was taking care of the kids. I was doing this for the kids, doing this for the wife, hanging out with the wife, doing what she needed done, doing what I wanted to do. And then it was like, okay, now you're going to totally change this up. And mentally, it was a, a conscious thing that I had to do every single day. Yeah. I, you know? That's what I was going to, if I add a layer to that, I would say, like, you have to decide every day that yep. that is going, that you're going to continue to do that to the point where it becomes a habit. Right. Right? Because you had a different habit. And then when somebody lit the spark under you and you actually discovered how, uh, how gratifying that was for you and how rewarding it was for you to be in that environment, then you decided to every single day that you wanted that same feeling over and over and over and you saw the value in it and what could come of it and the potential that's there. Right. So I feel like deciding every single day that that is the plan for your day and making it that habit is what actually makes it happen. So, like, because I feel like, yeah, we want to get out of our comfort zone. We want to make something happen. But unless you put pen to paper and block out those periods of time to commit to that, the committing to whatever it is that you want to pursue is what makes it happen because you have to decide to do that. So I feel like uh, in... And trying to get something done and, and making it happen is actually deciding every day and planning out that time for that creativity to take place is what changes from me saying, I want to do this, I want to do this, to actually making it happen. Doing it, is, right. is deciding every day <clears throat> and planning it right. is important. Right. So when I took that class, uh, they gave me a second place trophy. Just <laughs> so back to the professor... Back to the professor. He's the only one. We would. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How about you, professor? I don't know. Um, So when you kind of posed this question earlier, I started thinking about it because um, more than anything, in 2018, I kind of want to continue my momentum. Um, Last March, I kind of looked in the mirror and, like, wasn't happy with myself. Uh, Kind of like, yeah, I just throw myself into work and, like, all that different stuff. And so... The first step for me was making time to like exercise and work out to feel good about myself again. Lost a decent amount of weight, and I'm not as like regimented as I I was when I first started. But that's something I, I kept going through right through sure. 2017, and then towards the end of 2017, I started making more time for friends, a social life, uh, getting outside my comfort zone, hopping on a plane to go visit somebody and do something like that. You know that before it was always like, nah, there's too much work stuff. I won't be able to relax. Right. And so I think making more time for myself is something I want to continue doing and do just a, overall a better job at it because uh, these last, I don't know, the last few weeks, last few months, I just kind of, we were talking about it earlier, it's just kind of been on a natural high about things going well. Even when things aren't going great, they're, hey, stuff's coming together. So uh, for me, it's, it's, I guess, continuing momentum and being better about it, right? Like having more structured and being okay with taking time for myself. So... I don't know if that's quite a mantra change or whatever, but the hard part is for me, it's very easy to fall back into the work thing. Right. Um, 
and just kind of dig into that hole. So I'm trying to figure out how to make sure I continue that. That's my, I guess, if for 2018, like, continue the momentum, how do I do that, right? So that's why I asked that question. What right. have you blocked time for? Nothing. Um, no, uh, I've, I've started blocking time out. I think that's been a, a bigger thing for me is, like, you know, personal time. Uh, try to do it with working out, uh, time for friends, doing something like just not – I, I used to always carry my work phone, didn't matter where I went, even if I was going out with friends for the night, just in case something came up. And so now I've gotten to the point where I just leave it at home, right? Because at the end of the day, what am I going to do with it? Um, and so as small as a thing as that seems, that's pretty big. So And maybe that's 2018, big. that's that's the new next step, is structuring my time and blocking it out. Yeah. Um, so well, that's, I mean, that's big just when it comes to... Uh, I think that trigger in your brain that allows you to feel kind of this sense of of relief or uh, or just time in general, right? Because it's, it's like if any of us put our phones down for four hours, like that's an amount of time that we now have that we can do something else with, you know? Right. Uh, so I think time I think that that's that's a big piece, bro. To to be able to disconnect from that like to be able to disconnect from anything is huge these days right um but i think that's a, a big step man to getting some time back that you can figure out other things to do with yep that really give that really provide value exactly you know i feel like it, i guess that's a good term is like i feel like um i'm living a much more like valued and purposeful life now that i'm making time for these other things yeah. like i was always kind of just of that mindset like you put in your time, you put in your dues, right? You work, you work, you grind, you grind, you enjoy things later. And it was like, it was kind of wearing down on me. So, um, yeah, and, that, and the other thing was when I started taking a step back from work, it's not like everybody was like, well, man, you, you're pumping the brakes. <laughs> no one noticed, right? Like, yeah. it, So, yeah. like, you know, not saying what's the point. That's not the takeaway, but it's okay to step back. No one's going to jump down your throat. So, Bro, it's so important. Like, I know when I have a couple of days off, like planned days off, and I get home that first evening, you know, like I work that day and then I have off a few days, I sit down on the couch and I'm like, ah, you know, just that relief of knowing that I have off for a few days, you know, and mentally it's so important, you know? I agree. Um, So 2018, gonna continue to work on that structure my time better. Um, I don't know if those are resolutions or if that's a mantra or just kind of a mindset change. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that's what – I got a lot of things I want to accomplish this year. So, Good, brother. Yeah. Good. Caterer. Oh, <clears throat> it's my turn. Um, so, first, I don't like resolutions. I think they're <clears throat> ineffective for me personally. I feel like some people need them. That's you. That's your life. I also don't like looking at – my progress as a person in terms of a annual date. I think if you're gonna do that, it'd be more accurate to do it on terms of a birthday instead of the end of an actual year. Um, but, and there's a couple reasons I know, like when I was younger, I started noticing like people, like you set a resolution, right? And let, let's say you start off great, and then a few months in, you kind of like slack off. Now, the farther you get away from that January 1st, it feels like more punishing for you not accomplishing the thing you set out to do. And then the farther you get away from it, the closer it gets to the next resolution to where you could just do it again later. So I've never been somebody who's big on 
2018 to 2019 or 2017 to 2018 or my resolutions. I look at everything as what am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do a month, five years from now, maybe? But it was always like my mantra could change. Hmm? When you say, yeah, I, I, I do this, do you have something that? Yeah, I always, I always have something I want to be doing. Like right now, my thing, like if I have to pick, like everyone, everyone picks like a mantra. They pick something that they're going to try to embody. And I heard this thing from Peter McKinnon I really liked. He's a photographer I like on YouTube. He kills it. I like him. He said, create something even every day, even if it sucks. And I'm like, cool, I like that. Like I can do that. I was like, I'll cook something today. I love to cook. Maybe it sucks. I like to draw. I'm going to draw. Maybe it sucks. Today I'm creating a podcast with you guys. Yesterday I did a render. Day before that I did a piece. Day before that I worked on a new shirt. Like... I'm always trying to do something, but that's how I am every day. I was going to say, like, you went from this cooking and if it sucks and drawing and if it sucks. And then you said the, today the podcast. I'm like, you better not say it sucks. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I think, and this also goes to another, like, uh, mentality that a lot of people have. If, they, if they're a creative individual, there's this, uh, there's this like, like, perfection syndrome where you want to create something and... If you can't do it right, you can't do it perfect. Like you can't put out that next lettering piece or that painting because it's not it's not as perfect as like something else you saw. And I think people get fixated on that last 10% of something. You might create something, it'd be 90% perfect. But you spend a month on it and you get to 92%. Just just put it out yeah. there. Like it may not suck. You don't know. Yeah. I feel like and I feel like the four of us, we all exist in that world too, especially uh Jeff now coming into the to the acting realm. Um, like you want that perfection. Yep. And you're so hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, but the idea of, of doing something creative every day uh, lends itself kind of to, to creating great content, you yeah. know? I've definitely noticed very early on, I, noticed, I, I saw like I would put out something that I'd spent months on. Like I'm super stoked on this. And because I spent so much time on it, I had this like romanticism with it. And I'd put it out and get... It'd get some feedback, it'd get some likes or some retweets, whatever, whatever the fuck it may be. And then I'd work on something like, oh, I just want to do this real fast. And I do it, and I put it out, and that thing gets like a thousand likes. That thing gets all of the retweets. That thing gets me. A thousand, bro. Don't no, scope my shit. Man. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but like those, that's when I realized I was like, hey, some things like you're 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 fixated on too much. And it's different when you have a client, you have someone paying you for it. Then it's it's also just not your call. It's also their call. If they say it's done, it's done. You just hands mm -hmm. off. Yeah. Good. But I think that's the whole thing for my year. Just, just try and create something every day. And two months from now, it may be do something else every day. Do something. I don't know. But to me, I'm always, I'm always just trying to do something in general. He said do something every day. And two months from now, do something every day. <laughs> 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 that's what it is. So let me ask you guys. So with that kind of mindset, right? Because I know with Cody, he's an artist. He plays in a band. He does graphic design. He has his own clothing company and no hype right no hype check it out oh he said don't don't give him any hype pew pew <laughs> uh you know yay yay with his being a comedian with team grasshopper with podcast. all, all, all podcasts all these different things like at one point if you're doing this and doing that and doing this and doing and brian that, and his writing and his his woodwork and right. But I just want you to leave him out because you mentioned <laughs> Cater and, and me. But do we get caught in starting something then stopping and starting something and stopping without finishing one thing per se? 
Mm. Is know, that like, a question or is, you, or is that rhetorical? Like, it's a question. Oh, okay. Oh, like, I think so, yeah. I think there's also, like, I am passionate about a lot of things. So I will... I will always recreate my plate to make it bigger to fill everything I want to do. So for me personally, I will take on more and then just kind of forget about stuff. So I'll start things and not finish them, or maybe six months from now I'll finish them. And sometimes it's great because then I come with like six months more of experience and it ends up being amazing. But sometimes there is like a balance of taking on too much or saying like, oh, you, you want to start a diet, you want to work out, you want to read a book every month, you want to read like the newspaper every day, you want to do the crossword, but you, you end up stacking too much on yourself and then you created this like too strict of a regimen where you give yourself no time to breathe or actually enjoy anything. I, I feel like you have to have that balance too with it, right? Like you got to know what is for the actual show or for the product, like what's the end result there, but also like what is just me doing this to to be creative and and to kind of, uh, you know, just kind of better myself throughout this process. Um, so in that sense, I feel like if you, if, if you know something needs to be done, then you're going to get it done. But when it comes to doing stuff and not finishing it, it's like who determines when it's finished, you know? Like what's the plan behind it? So if I have a plan to write a book, and uh, I'm writing two or, three, two or three paragraphs or two or three pages or four or five pages, and I plan on writing a 400-page book. Uh, like, if I'm writing four or five, am I writing four or five pages a day, or am I writing four or five pages a week, or am I writing four or five pages a month? Like, ultimately, that's going to determine uh, when my product is going to get out and what's the end result of that product. What do I want from it? Right. So... I feel like if if you know what you're trying to produce, then like that that uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for, professor? The, like the immediacy, like the the gratification. not the gratification, but like the sounds like <laughs> I don't know the like on your priority list. It's going to determine where it goes on your priority list. Like, how badly do you want to get that thing done? How important is it to you? Are you just doing it for the creative process, or do you actually want a product at the end? So we were talking at work about <clears throat> stuff that's on our list, right? In my head, I have 15 things that I got to do. In my head, in my head, oh. hey, hey, oh, hombre. That was sad, dude. <laughs> Who was it? What are, are those actual words? Though? She passed away. Shout out. That's what I was doing. <laughs> giving her a shout out. Too soon. Gosh. Not too soon. Giving her a shout out, man. Cranberries. It was sad, dude. She was a great <laughs> singer. Young, too. So we were talking <laughs> at work <laughs> about all these things that we have on our list, but we'll push stuff off, right? So I know that I got to get this done. But for some reason, I'm nervous to do it or scared to do it or just keep pushing it off for whatever reason. And I know that this needs to get done. And we were talking, and there's a video out there if everybody wants to Google, uh, Eat the Frog. So Eat the Frog is about 
grabbing that one thing a day that you've been putting off forever and just do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it into. I uh, while well, well, he's about to put that in, I would also say that uh, there's this, there's the quadrant, right? Like, yep. urgent. urgent, not urgent, important, not important. So when it comes to wanting to actually get something done, when you utilize the quadrant and see what's urgent and not important, like you'll figure out what it is that you want to spend time on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with that. So for the frog thing, Thank real you. quick. So for the eating the frog, <laughs> the way it's put is that it's said the hardest thing you'll do every day is eating a live frog. And nothing beyond eating a live frog will be that bad after that. You, you, you wake up, you eat a live frog, and anything you do the rest of the day is going to be like, yeah, this is cake. So the idea is that you wake up every day and see what is your frog. So we've been every day like, hey, what's your frog? Did you eat your frog today? So what is that one thing on your list that you're like, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to like feel those like that squishy, the bones, the like mm-hmm. heart and stuff. Like what if it like 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 does like what frogs do? But but the goal body. is to eat the frog. Yeah, like you eat the frog. You get you like think about it. Like now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So the goal is to eat the frog. Eat you the don't frog want to eat the frog. Day. Yeah. But so what you, do you have to do to get the frog down? It's that one task. It's that task. It's at the top of your list that you may look at and be like, oh, I have like nine other things that if I get all this done, I might Open the esophagus. Just, <laughs> just, just swallow it down. <laughs> you just get it down. So you take that one thing every day, and after that, you'll feel better about all your little tasks after that, but if you take care of nine little tiny tasks and ignore that one thing, oh, that's going to be there tomorrow. That frog's going to get bigger, bigger, bigger. That's a bigger frog to eat every day. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Yeah, no one wants to he that. was a good friend of mine. Oh, boy. What's the next line, Joe? He never. <laughs> Jim Croce. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Man, hell no, I ain't joking. I don't know who sings it. Do you know what song I like from them, too? Uh, Mama Told Me Not To Come. Mama Told Me Not To Come. Baron. Uh, you still trying to get me to guess who sings it? Three Dog uh, Night. Ah. Uh, been better if it was Three Frog Night. Get it? Ha <laughs> ha. Nice. Get that dude off the stage, ladies and gentlemen. Come to the stage. Uh, I, Cody just got up to go pee. Wash your hands, bro. Uh, <laughs> so what? What's your frog right now, Brian? That's rough, man. Um, it's mostly just work stuff, right? Like aside from work, bro. Take yourself out of work. What is your frog out in your in your personal life? life. So that's hard for me because my personal life, I feel like it's going great right now, and that's why I want to continue that momentum. I'm, I'm not dodging things right like i'm not putting them off i i was an overshare i'm in the purchase of i'm in the process of purchasing a house and Bro! Nice. round of applause Brian purchasing the house at such a young age balling out of control son amazingness nice not that young of an age but it has like a <laughs> workshop space right and that's kind of i guess maybe that's like making the steps to buy the house i've had the uh i've had the ability probably for the last two years to you know, rush that and do it. And I've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And then when uh, I got asked if I wanted to renew my lease, I had 60 days, you know, to 60 day notice to get out of my apartment. You know, I was like, oh shit, this is it. Like I'm going to eat the frog, I guess, and yeah, get yeah. a house. And uh, so that's what I'm going through right now. And like, I'm going to those opportunities, like you said, to start doing woodworking, make furniture with that workshop. 
and do all that good stuff. Um, so that's the process I'm going through right now. But I'm going to be honest, like, obviously I wasn't capable of doing it a year ago or two years before that. It's kind of been this slow build. Slow build. I didn't mean to hold your hand there. Uh, that's amazing, man. Like, congrats. And that's that's a great thing to be surrounded by individuals that have that uh, just that that the, the pursuit is there. Like, even if it doesn't happen, there's that pursuit to continue to try to make something happen, and. I think that, uh, and in in your case, Jeff, like that that lends itself to, yo, I have to take action, right? So in your case, like being surrounded by like doing the podcast, like taking action on the podcast. Every you know we were on it, we were on it, we were on it, and all all the time we're saying, hey, when we're gonna record, when we record, like taking that action and being around people that are in that pursuit of. I'm not of just goodness, just general goodness, yep. and wanting to contribute and wanting to make things happen for themselves or for other people, like that lends itself to uh, that that mindset, man. To like, I want to be on the level that that person is, either personally or professionally. So to hear something like that from Brian at a, a relatively young age, regardless of what he says, like. That is that's something to aspire to. Yep. So, for everybody that's listening, like, be a be in the pursuit of something. Right. Yep. Be in the pursuit of something and decide every day. Pick one thing and take action. Yeah. Well, I don't know or about two. that. Well, I'm saying to start, right? No, if yeah. if you're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're sitting there in your head, and you're like, I have all these things that I want because to do. Because multitasking is not a thing. What do you think about that? Well, that goes back to starting a whole bunch of things and not finishing. Ah, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay. But, I think for most people, it's good to only have one thing. Yeah. At least to start. So to start. So, I mean, if, if like I was, right, for 20-something years, I would love to do this. You know what, everybody? Pick that one thing that you've been putting off, saying that you want to do, and start. Start the path on making it happen. What, Professor, what's your take on, uh, and I'll let you guys go back and forth, what's your take on multitasking? I'm terrible at it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm just being honest. Like, it's a thing? I, I mean, yeah, I think you have to in life, right? You, like, you can't just focus on one thing, like, hey, I'm going to get in really good shape, but if that means I lose my job or whatever, like, you, you have to be able to do it. I'm just terrible at it. Like, are you talking about, like, like actual really scientific, No, I'm like, saying, doing like, this idea of, no, no, I'm saying, are you talking about, yeah, like, sitting here and yeah, doing two things, like, yeah, yeah. like, being on my phone and talking at the same time? Well, I'm still shitty at that, too, so, well, like... Isn't it, like, um, scientifically disproved that you can't multitask? Like, you, you may be able to cognitively think about two things at one time, but the fact that like, you're clicking... I'm stabbing my fingers, talking at the same yeah, time. But, that's two different but things. But in the moment that I was talking Ooh, in between yeah, words, yeah, my brain cool. had to redirect to the fact that you were clicking and go back. Oh, let's go. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking but real quick, real quick. Speaking <laughs> of what you're talking about real <laughs> fast, though, this goes back to something I want to talk about, about putting it off. This goes back to like my resolution thing. It's how people are like, oh, on Monday, I'm going to do this. If you want to do something and you've, you've been, it keeps you up at night and you're like, man, I really want to get this thing done or I want to get in shape or I want to... I want to be the best artist, or I want to be a rock star, or I want to be a voice actor. Like, you're like, oh, on Monday I can start doing that. 
Motherfucker, just pick one piece of it and start tonight. It could be picking your stage name. It could be ordering something online. I don't care. Pick one, the 1%, the sliver of accomplishment that would get you to that goal and do it today. Do it tonight. Don't put it off to Monday. And on Monday, do the third thing. Tonight. Just fucking do it. Uh, Yeye's stage name is Bubbles. Yeah. Bubbles. Jeff's stage name is Cinnamon. <laughs> Mine's candy with a K. <laughs> Jeff's stage name is Mr. Softy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry to tangent. Oh, man. Now, so, so Brian, you, you think that multitasking is a thing? So, like... Are we talking about like that minute level? Or are we talking about just in life, like having different minute, goals and ambitions? Level, I, I think it's, I mean, I don't know the science behind it like Cody does or the caterer, but like, I think you, you inevitably. It's the same person, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think at the end result, like it, it, it's possible to do certain minute tasks at the same time, but uh, the quality of which of both of those is probably going to go down. Either focus and do something right. Like, what is it? Half-ass two things or whole-ass one thing? Because like that happens to me all the time. Like, uh, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. <laughs> so I, I think it's a thing you can do, but it's usually setting yourself up for failure, right? Like trying to do too much at once, you're going to fail at everything rather than succeeding at one thing. So by the way, did you see Saturday Night Live? No, he fell asleep watching Fox News. Oh, shit. What? Are you talking about the Will Ferrell? What you're you're in a timeout? <laughs> you're talking about Will Ferrell? Yeah. Listen, so Brian and I were uh, attending a work event this week, right? And, and we we shacked up together. Should I not? Like, no, no, nah, nah, it's cool, bro. We, we got to speak on it now. Thanks for throwing it out there. Um, was but, there spooning involved? Uh, no, we, dude. There was they, you. That's who you look like. The dude from that commercial is like Doctor Pepper. Pepper. Yeah, that's yo, Cody. That's who the caterer looks like. Forget. Whatever we, oh, I don't think we were on at that time, but that's who the caterer looks like, the dude from that doc, Dr. Pepper commercial. Do you know Do you know who that dude is, by the way? That's not, who that's is me. it? <laughs> that's the dude who lost in the first season on American Idol. Justin Warini? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Are you serious? I swear to you. I don't know what, like, I'm really Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, well, that, everybody in the world was watching American Idol except for Brian at that point in time. Oh, <laughs> it is. That is wild, man. God. Yeah. A little sweet. A little Yo, sweet. you look like a you look like Justin Warini, I guess, in a, in a Dr. Pepper commercial. Not old school with the afro and the curly hair, but is like, he mispronouncing his name now because he's feeling funny that he, he doesn't got know? Out on it? He, he doesn't even know. He don't know who the dude was. <laughs> so, uh, no, we didn't spoon. Um, <laughs> There were two different beds. There were two different beds. Yeah, we 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 did four because we interlaced our hands from across the middle nice. of the bed. But uh, so what we were attempting to do, right, was uh, watch Fox News just to try to get like their slant on some different perspective, okay. right? Some of that stuff. We're doing some of that stuff. Okay. And we were so pooped that we passed out. And I had the remote, and apparently I was holding the remote like I was spooning. I was spooning with the remote, and Brian didn't want to take the remote from me and change the channel, so we both fell asleep with Fox News on. Oh, God. So that's that story. But the entire night, the entire night we were saying, oh, I was saying, can't wait till Saturday Night Live, can't wait till Saturday Night Live, and then we fell asleep. 
Right. And we woke up and Fox News was on, and we're like, we can't believe they're spoofing uh, on Saturday Night Live. They're spoofing Fox News, but it was actually Fox News. <laughs> 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 yeah, dude. So I don't know if you saw since then, but I did see the him doing Bush. Oh, it was yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. It just he, actually no. I saw the, I saw the entire episode. Things. I watched it like the next day on Hulu or something. He said one of those things like the fool me once thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did one of those again. Uh-huh. It was hilarious. Yeah, I, man, it's crazy. Like I know a, I know a dude on SNL now. The black dude that was in the airplane skit, Chris Red. He's new. Uh, yeah. He's new on there, but um, and he's killing it. But and then one of the other girls that's on there actually saw perform at the Second City. Uh, I think it's her right before she got on. Um, so it's amazing to see stuff like that. Man. Yeah, dude, Leslie Jones to me, mm-hmm. she's hilarious, yeah. bro. I would love to see her. It's, actually, it's actually a pretty good cast, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's the uh, spooning. Fox News slash did I watch SNL story. Did you wake up thinking you were in a nightmare like Fox News is on TV? I woke up and I actually changed it at some point. Um, yeah. Nice. Nice. Because <laughs> I was probably like, I can't believe Brian put it back on Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of, and we don't have to dive into it, but I didn't watch the State of the Union. Did anybody watch the State of the Union? I did not. I... Uh, I watched him walking in, and it was funny because you saw all the Republicans going nuts, and then they panned over to like Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> and Bernie Sanders, uh-huh. and Chuck Schumer, and they were sitting there just like stone faced, just like Ugh, sitting down. Uh, and then I saw him, you know, give the the fist, like, uh-huh. all right, yeah. Definitely fisting the soul, yeah. And then. Uh, and then that was pretty much it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I listened I mean, I to a bunch of stuff, and it. you know how the unemployment's so low, and wages, and this, that, the other thing, and the stock market. But mm. to me, I, I've always known that and thought that, like, the first year of a new presidency is still. Like, what happens is what happens from the previous administration stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Professor? Yes. I mean, yeah. Can, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's... We need you confirmation. Can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't change the economy in, like, you know, One year. a year, you know, all these different things. So it's, yeah, it's the, it, the legacy of a president is usually in this last two years and the continuing next two years and then if they're serving eight years obviously right. it has a right but um that's obviously going to be debated by different sides of politics because then it gives credit to other people for different things but the the reality is you don't make one change and the economy turns around like right. it's not a it's not that kind of right i was just wondering if anybody watched that's all so that was that yeah well uh no did anybody have anything else what else I was watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, you said it was fantastic. But you also said something very interesting. Yeah. You said there were no black people in the movie. There were black people in the movie. Okay. But it was like extras, like the quick, like, one-second pan through the crowd Uh, thing. Right, 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 right. But you said something about the entire movie being about white privilege. 
So I was looking. You at, said that. You said that. I'm was, not making this up. I'm not no, making this I up. I said that. Okay. I said that. I'm looking at the movie, right? And the whole movie is about this rich kid, right? Who does whatever he wants. His buddy, who's Brian. Uh, Brian is chewing on his fingernails, ready to speak on it. His buddy is a rich kid whose dad has a 1961 Ferrari in a glass enclosed garage, so he could see it. They just tear ass through all of Chicago on this great day off, and you know he gets to hop on a float because he's Ferris Bueller, you know. And to me. Like watching that, I was like, "That's fucking all white privilege." Why? why okay, so why did, uh, why did your brain go to that now after when watching Ferris Bueller? What was different about watching it this time versus the other time? Because hearing the term white privilege so much in let's say the past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watching this, just his, that whole, enti- I don't know, entitled, but, you know, that whole, like, look at me, I could do whatever I want mm-hmm. type thing with the rich kids and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So let's hear the professor's take on that. He's ready. He's no, ready. I'm not ready because I'm like, I'm like going through. I just think that's like it's us putting a like a to say modern and like, but like a, an idea or a sensibility that we have now on something in the past is, is very easy to do. Um, because I don't think it's like, I don't think that was the intent to be like, hey, look what this rich white kid can get away with. It's like, hey man, we have this great idea for a movie. How do we like, how do we get these series of events we want to put for comedic value? Oh, he's got to be rich. He's got to do these different things. And so like, I get it. It is, it is an example maybe of how oblivious we were to like how that's how the world works. But I, I think we gotta be careful and like separate. Um, <laughs> because then it's like every 80s movie was about like rich white kids, right? Like even weird right. science. Like Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, look, at, look at Home Alone. Look how big that kid's house was, like, and that his dad can afford to fly the entire family over to Paris. Like right. everything is because it just makes making movies easier to explain. Well, they're rich, right? So we get all these cool shots and scenes. I th- you know, like you're right, like, but at the same time, it's <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 very easy to take filters we have today and like put them backwards and be like, see, that's, you know, so. Um, and sometimes it's just for like creative purposes that they do stuff. So, so the caterer. Uh, so now, like, there's obviously, like, in Hollywood, there's been this big shakeup with, with all of these uh, oh, I was famous peeps. Else first. No. <laughs> all of these famous people doing disgusting things, and now it's like, you know, Hollywood is tainted. Not that, it, like, it has never been tainted, but in a way now that makes you look at the individuals that are on the screen, and you're like, why am I watching this person, right? So the caterer earlier was was talking about how he doesn't like Johnny Depp now, but he won't watch Johnny Depp movies from this point on, but he'll go back and watch old Johnny Depp movies. But I feel weird about it. That's not how it came about. That's kind of what you it's, said, bro. It's, well, <laughs> no, you're accurate on that. But how it came about was Jeff said something about a musician. And I was like, oh, that musician's racist or something. And then he was like, I was like, yeah, so you support a racist. He's like, no, I don't support a racist. And I was like, but you support his music. 
you like his music? And he was like, yes. And I was like, doesn't that mean you support him as a person? And then we just started talking about like uh, Harvey Weinstein and stuff like that. Like if you watch his movies, do you support him? Or if you see a movie that has clear animal abuse in it, do you still go see it even if you heard it's a great movie? Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, I would say it's on the individual and how comfortable they are with separating those two aspects of something, right? Because like to not watch a movie the Harvey Weinstein company made because of what Harvey Weinstein did um, would be really difficult, right? Not that that's the reason why, but like really how hands-on was he? Like not with the women, but with the movie making <laughs> process. Like I'm not, that wasn't even meant to be funny. I just realized yes, I needed to clarify yes, that, that as I said funny. it. Like I'm not trying to, no, <laughs> it's not funny. Um, like obviously he's a terrible person, but at the end of the day, like, the actors, the directors, the sound grips, all these people put a lot of work into some of these movies to make them. Yes. And just because he's the guy in charge of a company, like, if you're a... I wouldn't judge somebody who says, like, I still watch movies that company made, right? Like, I don't... You can... It's possible to separate those two things at, for certain situations, right? Like, and that's everyone's individual choice. Mm -hmm. You know, like, some people said they'll never watch Kevin Spacey again, right? And there's some yep. people who are like... <laughs> See? That's what happens when you guys like leave me out of stuff. We have to like recap it all. Um, We're just prepping for you. <laughs> um, a little foreplay. But you know, it's and that's up to individuals, you know, to determine. Like you said with music, like, you know. Um, well, specifically talk about a musician. Then let's say like you are supporting that musician. Again, there are um, producers, engineers, possibly songwriters, yeah. audio engineers, and synth players, and maybe studio musicians that all went into creating this specific record for the song that you like. But maybe this artist is racist or committed rape or like like murdered somebody or hired somebody to murder somebody which and I, is the case for Adelaide dying and like, i think that's that's up to individuals to determine how much they want to be able to separate personally and to be able to enjoy those things some people can't right they say like i can never enjoy that music because i know this the other thing is like is the music overtly racist does it overtly talk about some of these issues and that that, that again continues to build and add on to it but i think you know, some people say, like, hey, I can separate these two things and recognize this person's a talented musician, but they're also a terrible fucking human being, right? Like, um, and so it's each individual's level of comfort, and, like, that can bother people, Do you know, because... support them still because of that? Each individual has to make that choice, man. I don't think it's a judgment that, like, everyone gets to throw around all the time. So that's it's a case-by-case -case basis for me, because there are certain things that I won't tolerate and certain things that I will that others won't, and so I think it's... It's something you just have to be comfortable with the decision that you're making and for like there to be this universal standard, right? Because everyone has different priorities and what they think are like heinous, terrible things that we shouldn't support people for. And um, I just think it's kind of an unrealistic expectation that you have to make decisions for yourself and be comfortable with it and recognize that controversy too. You can't say like, he makes good music, so what he did was okay. It's like, man, I really like that guy's music growing up and I found out what he did and like those music, that music has very special memories for me, so I'm gonna continue to listen to it because I, it's more than just what that guy did to me, if that makes sense. Michael Yeah. I have a point to be No, I was just gonna say, we were talking earlier and, and uh, Cody brought up Kid Rock and I'm like, yeah, I'd love that, uh, whatever it was, the I Am the Bull God CD, right? With all that, his second album or third album. And that's when he brought up the whole, well, you support a racist and you support this and you support that. I'm like, I just like a couple of songs, <laughs> you know? But that turned into a whole other thing. Yeah, well, so like the example I brought up later, so like... Uh, he put on like Frank Sinatra earlier. And I was like, God, I love Frank Sinatra, right? But we, we know like Frank Sinatra's past. We know yeah. he was like misogynistic and sexist. And we also know that like if you've seen like the Ocean movies, in that movie, it was a thing like 
you were a gentleman. You were a certain class of man because you shook Sinatra's hand, right? That, that was an honor that you should act a certain way. Like, you shouldn't, you can't just do this to me because you shook Sinatra's hand like I did. And I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, I love Sinatra's music. And this movie's telling me that it was such a great honor to shake his hand, but he was a piece of shit with women. Like, come on. So especially, like, it's, like I don't know. I don't know if I said this, but, like, I studied history, right? Like, that's what my degrees are in. And so, like, it's a very complicated thing to be able to put our social standards and norms. Not saying it made what happened back then okay, but to to judge people by our standards and norms and say what kind of they were, what they're doing was wrong and we can recognize that, but then to completely discount them and all their accomplishments is a difficult thing to do, right? It's, it's recognizing that it's not good or bad. There's this sliding spectrum, right, between black and white. And some people are obviously closer to the other, but you have to kind of look at the full circle of the individual and what they did and just recognize, I mean, I'm trying to think of, I, I should know. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Like, Sorry. He was saying that like, like no one's gonna get like mad at everybody for treating women bad when they couldn't vote. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's also no yeah, like it sounds really bad when I say it's so like monotone. But it's like <laughs> the, the easiest, the low hanging fruit, right, is to look at like Civil War generals, right? Like some of these guys were the ideal gentlemen. They represented their country and their beliefs. They separated. They owned slaves. I mean, or better one, George Washington or Thomas Jefferson, right? Like they have these complicated things when judged by our standards mm-hmm. and what we know is right and wrong. And obviously they were conflicted about it at the time as well, but they, because they write about it and they talk about the issue of um, all these ideas in our constitution about freedom and the individual man. And they write how they're conflicted about it. And they're like, but at the end of the day, I get paid for having slaves. And the, you know what? We're going to push it. They literally, it, they say, we're not going to talk about the slavery issue for 17, I think seven or 17 years. It's revisited by the Constitution because it's just too divisive. But yet we put these guys on pedestals, right? The founders of our country, all these different mm-hmm. things. And so it's looking at the full spectrum of the individual and acknowledging great accomplishments along with questionable, not questionable, that's the wrong word, um, things that we find wrong and socially unacceptable and not saying like, you, you make that choice for yourself whether you determine that person's good and worth supporting or not. Um, cause that would be like saying, well, Hey, I'm not going to no longer endorse the constitution cause I don't support slavery. And most of them, you yeah. know, like they wrote this, these guys were, you know, yeah. and, and so where, it's, where, it's the line a, also between like just doing something because everybody else is doing it kind of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? No, you're, you're exactly yeah. right, man. Like that's, you know, at what point is it that when is that no longer, def- it should never be a defense, right? If you know something's wrong, you should do something about it. Right. right. And I think that's something that we've, you know. I don't, get, I don't get really like exes, but like humanity's always struggled with, right? Is that that's an easy fallback and thing to lean on. And the people we really admire from history are the ones who stand up and mm-hmm. do say something about it. And I'm not saying that this is an excuse for us to say, well, everybody owns slaves, so it's okay. No, we can still judge them for that, right? Um, but I think the problem is when people color it one way or the other and say, you color. know, George Washington doesn't matter. I don't care what he said or did his entire life or he accomplished, he owns slaves. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's he your did, perspective, yeah. that's, you know, or the other way, like, doesn't matter that he owns slaves. He's the founder of our country. He helped, you know, guide us through that dark time and made all these compromises and did all these great things. It's like, so no. should Cody continue to watch Johnny Depp movies? I think that's, <laughs> that's up to Cody to decide and do what he feels comfortable <laughs> and is going to be able to live with. So I, I, I have an actual question, like, now, it's like to bring up. So that, this is on great. A, on a macro level now. Thanks so for breaking that down, though. Speaking of, Sorry, like, the actors uh, and the entertainment industry and, like, our forefathers and all of that, like, 
at some point then, just based on pure trends and what we've seen from history, does the quality of your content at some point negate your actions? Because that's what it seems like. Mm. Speak on it. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. <laughs> well, I mean... You can't ask a question So are you saying for the... So are you saying for like... For the rest of history, like, well... No, I'm saying that, like, so we have these, like... Like Louis C.K., right? Great comedian. Did so you're, are, are you saying, like, Louis C.K. will forever go down as being a great comedian because that will negate the negative? Possibly, but I think, like, people have gone with, like, regardless of people speaking, I'm sure they told or somebody. Opposite. Or the opposite, yeah. But, like, they've had these actions that they've done, and they're not a blind eye. Like, someone is aware of what's happening, especially if you're, like, that famous. Like, there we're are people about, around you. Bill Cosby, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are people around you that, like, create your schedule and make sure that, like, you are where you need to be. So... I think at some point, like, someone had to know what was going down, and your content that you put out, what you give to the world, you as an entertainer, you as a comedian, songwriter, actress, actor, like, you were forgiven for what you did because of what you provide. Uh, I'm going to, I would argue if you're talking from a historical point, like you said, the history, history's never dead, right? Our interpretation of events and how we view them are constantly shaped by our society now, right? Because like I said, the, the best examples are we look at our forefathers and guys like Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War generals. There are times when you didn't even talk about the slavery. That's, there are times that's all you talked about. And sure. so we're always kind of judging things and images and ideas are always, of what people are, are, are changing, right? But based upon the, the lens that we're using today. And so it's going to depend. I think that we're obviously living in a much more digital age where things are much more well-known, so who knows how that's going to play out. But at the end of the day, people are going to use their current-day standards, norms, values to interpret what they know about an event and a person. Do you think it's, that some of these things that have come out about these prominent people um, may not have been as intense if come out 10, 20 years ago? I think they would have been... If this type of movement happened 10 or 20 years ago, I think it would have been, that was really cool, that, by the way. Um, would have been more intense because it would have been that much more shocking, right? Like, yeah. I think it, if this happened in, it's crazy, whenever it says, says 20 years ago, I think it's the 80s. And I'm like, this would have happened in 1980, but um, uh, in, the, in the 90s, like, um, for me, it's one of those things where, like, I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner, right? Like it took it took us this long to have this type of environment where women felt like they were comfortable to do this, come forward with the hashtag Me Too movement. It's one of those where I think the further back you go, it, it is more shocking, right? That oh my gosh, this has been, you know it's kinda like now with our kind of awareness with issues and all these different things going on, we're like, oh no shit. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I like I like Cody's question about like does as a result of what this person has contributed, be it in whatever arena, as a result of what they've contributed in that particular arena, does that negate the despicable behavior to a certain extent because of this great content that they've created in their arena? Be it, be it political, be it entertainment, be it sports, like, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, I, I wanted real quick just to take it down to even, like, a smaller level of, like, someone who's in a band, they're, they're a musician, they're in a rock band, like, yo, yeah, they're going to do drugs and sleep with a bunch of women. Like, just on that level, like, is it okay to treat people a certain way and to do a bunch of drugs uh, and do I stuff like that? I like, think, on a, uh, see, like just because of what they do? I think, I think it's a little, I, I think it's 
that's a different path than okay. than the I'll agree. than you know what I mean? Um, like, do you if you're surrounded in a certain environment, like like things may or may not be expected. Like I'm 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 a rock star. This is these kind of things are happening in this environment, but. Well, so right, that's, I think well, so that's about, the thing. So you brought up Louis C.K. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So we all know what he did, yep. all this stuff. So does anybody that buys tickets to see him do comedy, are they a piece of shit now? Well, like Bill, Co- I mean, Bill Cosby, right? Like, but I don't know if you're are you going to stop watching the Cosby show? Well, like, I think the way I look at it is like it's no, once you, you know stop what they've watching. done, if you, if you buy tickets to go see them, like to me, it feels like... Knowing what you know about them, you are a case. Like, let's say it was a friend of yours. Let's say you're, a friend of yours was doing Say it was show. you. Yeah, say it was me. <laughs> let's say, say, say I did these things, right? And then I was like, yo, guys, like, let's go have a beer. Let's go hang out. I'd be like, dude, I want to hang out with that guy. He, you know, he fucking jerks off in front of women and does all this weird shit. You'd be like, I don't want to hang out with that dude. But if it's Louis C.K., a famous comedian, you'd be like, dude, I want to go see him do this event. Like, hey, okay that's, that's a choice. And, like, I know I keep falling back on this, but that's a choice an individual has to make if they're comfortable with, right? Like, if. But that's, hey, that's on each person to decide, like, their sliding scale of their morals and what they're willing to accept and be okay with. Like, yeah, I'm not willing to accept that from, from the caterer because, you know, like, his was just a flat-out thing, whereas other people can say, like, look, Louis C.K. is in a questionable situation. So what now, does that say about us as a society? So, like, to get back to your original question, because I actually kind of wanted to talk about I, that. No, no, you had about, like, <laughs> is this the, the tainting of their legacy you know, like, will their great accomplishments overshadow what they've done? And I think, like, this, the stuff that's happened with these celebrities, you know, like, will we always look at their accomplishments versus their, their criminal misconduct, if we can call it that? Um, the reason why we're talking about it is because of these legacies that they have. This stuff's happening every day in every city across America, right, where men are taking advantage of women and we don't talk about it. So that, that part's never going to be removed from the conversation because that's the only reason why anyone's going to remember who these guys are and what they did. And so, yeah, it does run the risk of overshadowing, like, hey, this guy was a great athlete. But there's always going to be an asterisk, I think, moving forward in our society now with the way that, like I said, the, the social world that we live in now, there'll always it'll always be brought up, right? Um, which is a good thing, because I think it gets to what I was talking about earlier about understanding the full spectrum of a person, right? When you're going to look back on them, it's not just the good or the bad. It's going to be moving forward. I think it's much more difficult to just not know about the bad, if that makes sense, right? So then when, when does the change happen, right? Where's the accountability if, you're saying that ultimately it's the person's decision whether or not they're going to continue to watch this person's content, whether they're going to continue to follow this person, uh, be led by this person, whatever it might be. But when does the change happen? How do, how do we keep these individuals accountable? And what does that say about us as a society if at, at some level like we can't keep them about accountable for what's taking place? I think we are keeping them accountable. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with this movement is that um, people are upset by it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why people's Netflix specials are getting canceled. There's a reason why TV shows are getting canceled. There's a reason why guys are let go from their cushy job as a CEO. Mm-hmm. So I think the change is happening, 
But at the end of the day, when you create a societal norm where people are supposed to say, no, everyone's going to refuse to support that person, that's just as dangerous as the opposite of what we had, right? Is this kind of collective thought that ostracizes people, you know, for having something different from the norm. And I know we're kind of like taking it out, we're getting bigger and we're getting bigger, but I would say that we're seeing the change happen right now. Um, like Cody was saying, like everybody knew about the womanizers in the 60s and the 70s, and it was just, hey, gee, golly, guys, that's just the way life is. Whereas now we're like, no, that's not how things are. People are getting fired. People's careers are ending. Um, they're getting sued, right? Like I know everyone sees that as a petty thing, but at the end of the day, if you, I mean, that you're taking away their success they built on these potential situations. So I think that, uh, yeah, we are seeing the change. And hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that wasn't like a kind of a, ra a rambling. I get it, right? Like, uh, you're going to, like, you can't complete. So at the end of the day, you're talking about an individual. I feel like, like whoever might be Bill Cosby, Louis C.K., Harvey Weinstein, whoever else, Donald Trump, whatever the case is, right? Like, you're talking about an individual, and if you completely, I feel like, from what you're saying, like, you completely cut that off from society, then are you saying, like, what happens to that individual? No. What I'm saying is, because you, no, 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 sorry. Like, I'm trying to, like, <laughs> that did come out a little weird. What I'm saying is that, like, this idea that, we, if someone still finds Louis C.K. funny, if everyone is like, if he's only not supporting him out of an obligation because everybody else is doing it, mm -hmm. that's, that's just, that's a pretty dangerous environment as well, right? That people can't have free thought and opinions and, mm -hmm. and form, and that, that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? Gotcha. Um, is that obviously there are situations that there are very few people who probably support some of these people, but there are other ones where they're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this, right? And then people are like, no, you should feel this way. I think that's a dangerous space to get into, right? Um, it's, a, it's about discussion. And I think by people bringing up what's been happening in Hollywood, they're making the decisions for themselves, right? And because it's a, it's a situation that's happened so fast with the hashtag Me Too that people are making up their minds and things are happening as a result. The vast majority of our society is not comfortable with what's happening, which is why people are losing job opportunities, why people are getting fired, why people are getting sued. And so... That's and good, but at the same time, stepping down as well. Yeah, people are recognizing, own. hey, like, look, you know what? This is I can't do this. They're right. Well, Michigan State, bro. So let me ask you. So let's go the other route. So you had Matt Damon, who people were kicking him in the teeth because he tweeted or did something that said. Uh, a slap on the ass isn't the same as rape. So I don't know if he was sticking up for Weinstein. I don't know if uh, he had just thrown that out there. I, th I think, I mean, I don't, I haven't talked to Matt in months, but um, <laughs> I'm just um, like, I think he was just trying to illustrate a point because a lot of people have started to question certain s stories and things that have been brought up, like the Aziz Ansari thing, different situations where, it is a sliding scale, right? There are things we've already established tonight that are way worse than others. Yeah. And part of the tendency is in the fervor to throw everything in one category and make it this untouchable thing we don't talk about. And so I think sometimes it's, it's worth having a discussion about saying, well, wait, wait, how do we feel about that? Like, is this different than that? 
and I think that's a, a valid Just discussion to have. I mean, well, I mean obviously, so, they're so both like, wrong. in all honesty, Jason, like, is there a difference between saying something and actually doing it? Is saying it just as bad as physically doing it? No, we're taking the president thing out of it, but like you brought up a point. Like I'm not, I'm sure he's done. I don't even want to get into his thing, but like if someone says, you know, they want to do something versus when they actually do it, is that, a, is there a difference there? Isn't that close to the same thing when somebody's like married, right? And they like uh, mentally give themselves to somebody else or have conversations about doing something. Isn't that in that context just as bad as doing it and so then can regards? should people go to jail for saying and thinking things <laughs> yeah well but well, that's that's the point that minority report yeah, yeah people like don't do things like people aren't arrested for doing things but if people think about it long enough that's how premeditated murder happens sometimes so i think it just i think it depends on the person and you can't punish the collective for a few yeah so i think that it's Getting really philosophical tonight, man. It's <laughs> so the, no, no, I'm I'm enjoying the conversation. I'm just saying. So the slap and rape, obviously they're both wrong, but obviously there's a difference. And I think that sometimes, depending on the person, like let's say we're talking as a bunch of guys and we're saying this or we're saying that. We really that. should have a woman here for this discussion too. So. Yeah, we need to like bring someone in. Yeah. But go ahead. No, no, finish. We're not, I don't feel like we're specifically talking about that movement. We're like, we're, right. yeah. In general. Yeah, right. you're right, you're right. Um, but sometimes you have guys who do quote-unquote guy talk, right? Locker room talk. And sometimes you have guys who are just talking to be funny, right? And then you have other guys who truly believe and act a certain way and do those type of things. So we are saying is just saying it or talking about it wrong. And I think you have those people who, let's say I say a few things. I'm a, a feminist. I, I believe in that women's rights. I believe that they should be paid equally, treated equally, the whole bit. And no, but it's the the whole bit. I I have two girls, two daughters, you know, and I'm I and But does it make you a feminist though? Because you believe that people should be paid equal? All of my thoughts on women and empowering women and and raising two girls to be strong independent women and all of my thoughts and standing up for women's rights uh Google definition is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equivalent equality of the sexes. So you're right. So fucking yes, yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's an aggressive response. Yeah, just a genuine question about what. Yo, dang, bro. Okay. The fact says, check says yes. Okay. Uh, but I, I believe in stand up for all of those things for women. But that just, that does I that mentioned. make you a feminist or just like a good person? Like a good yeah. Person. Like, 
Like I understand what you I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, right? But should we but, be defining it as that? Like, right. We need to get out of this this idea of that. I'm not, if you, I'm not knocking anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, right. I, I like I get with you because right. that's that's like a movement that people talk about. This idea that we subdivide and say, well, if you support this group, is no, like right. that's just humanism, right? That you're just about people and the care and right. all that stuff. So. Yeah, I think the other idea of like well, the whole feminist thing is a, I, there's a big movement of people that believe that only feminism is reserved for females. And some people on a bandwagon. Yeah, uh, but real quick though, I think like the speaking on things and that becoming and you being that because of what you said, isn't that how like the majority of racism is? Like we think you're a racist based on what you say and not what like you physically do. So is there any kind of a parallel with that? What? So, <laughs> no, think about it. So you're saying like, like you say you're gonna do something, but you don't do it. You say you're gonna, but you spit rhetorist. Sorry, racist, rhetoric. racist rhetoric, right? Like you say all these racist things. Does like, that make you? But a you racist? don't act on it. Does that yeah, make? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes you a racist. So I if you, so, so if you say a bunch of sexist. Bro, shit, you're talking about. Yeah, if you talk about racist, like if you talk about racist stuff in a, a racist fashion, then. I believe that you're racist. If you talk about sexism or or or, or differences in genders in in a in a, a distasteful way, then yeah, I believe that. Yeah, but I, I my point is that you were so passionate about this and to the prior defense compared to. But what there's it was a like difference. There's a difference between some. I will. They're both <laughs> wrong, right? No. There's a difference between someone saying guess. racist stuff that's mm-hmm. still bad on the sliding scale versus going out there and committing violent acts. Why like, is there a sliding scale, bro? They're both bad, but you're telling me that it's not worse to go out and murder someone because of that versus saying, saying you hate that group. No, no, that wasn't... I no, that's what he was getting at. Yeah, I was, I was saying, like, you think, like, someone says racist stuff, you're like, you are a racist. Yes. Like, someone says, I'm going to go kill this person. They have a plan. They're like, I'm going to go kill this person. You don't think they're a murderer. If they commit murder, yes, commit they murder. Yes, a murderer. they are murderer, bro. Yes, but like, yeah. Specific act to a state of mind, right? Like, yeah, but don't you have to like internally? If you get road rage, if you get road rage, and you say, "Man, I'm about to drive this monk off the road," and you know what yes. I'm saying, like, so how's that? Like, versus every day, you're like n-word this or or. So what, reverse, if so what if like, it's like you get rage once like, a month? What if you drop the N word once a month? Are you a racist? Hell yeah. You don't. Do you think differently? No, but that's the point. Like that, we there's there is like to his like note there is a sliding scale on the logical literacy of our actions and words. That we think somebody is a racist. We think somebody can say, "Oh, I'm gonna go sleep with that girl," or "I'm gonna bang her tonight." He, you don't think that he means like regardless of whatever actions happen between me and her talking, that we are going to have sex. If somebody says, I'm going to rape this girl tonight, then, yeah, I think you're a rapist. Do you think, what if he doesn't go rape her? Do you still think he's a rapist? If he doesn't, if somebody continuously on a regular basis says, I'm going to rape this person, at some point, that person (laughs) is going to commit rape, bro. Period. Because, like, that's what they're putting (laughs) into their brain. You know what I mean? Like in my opinion, that's what they're putting into their brain. Okay. Oh, I haven't. I never mind. I have another macro on this. So, 
on that same note, keep it semi appropriate, bro. No, no, yeah. This is. <laughs> so, do you think? So, this is like a been a thing that's I think has been like widely disproved. Uh-huh. But the fact that children play a game like Grand Theft Auto, are they going to go out and commit murder because that's committed to their brain by committing murder in a video game time after time after time again, maybe eight hours a day? Bro, am I going to go and? Uh, I know this is like digressing, but it's on the same like line. Right. Am I gonna go and um, try and jump off of, of bike ramps and do three sixty spins in the air because I play Excite Bike all day long? I don't know. Are you? God, I that's, loved Excite Bike. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> the yes. Am I just gonna run around and throw newspapers at people's door all day because I've been playing Paperboy? That's, that was the logic when Grand Theft Auto came out. That was the logic behind everything. Was that we should make this like the X-rated game because of that? Yeah, but that's like like back in the '80s when the PMRC came out and Tipper Gore saying slapping all the explicit lyrics on the albums and parental advisory and Mm. saying that all heavy metal was Satanist music and and all this stuff, you know? So, but yes, if somebody is talking about rape. 80% 80% of the time, that person's a rapist. Okay. If somebody's saying N-word 80% of the time or drops it once a month or once in every three years and then says, oh, man, I haven't said that in three years, yeah, that <laughs> person's a racist. a racist. You're a racist, yeah. sorry. No, I was agreeing. I was just like... I get or, or it's there. It, it, it may not be displayed every single day, but... It's low-key in your head. It's low-key in the brain, bro. Mm-hmm. That's my take. But you don't have to take my word for it. Turn that from back. I'm an excite bike, and I got excited. So it's been a long episode. It's, it is. A long <laughs> what two hours in? Wow. Yeah, it says it says three, but it's really I add a one for. That's a long time for people to be listening. Even though this has been a very intense and exciting episode, and we took it from Ferris Bueller all the way to talking about people being racist and racist. Um, and that was like at the halfway point. Yeah. Because we, before that, we had a bunch of the positive stuff about resolutions and mantras. Maybe people and, th- and then all of a sudden, uh, we jumped into uh, Harvey Weinstein and Louis C.K. and, oh, and all of that stuff. And pudding but, pops. But... I mean, I feel like, well, I don't know what we came to an agreement on or if we came to agreement at all on anything, you know? Uh, I think we came to an agreement on people being racist. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Participation awards, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's maybe 50-50 there. Well, I think the nice takeaway for me is a couple of things, you know? I have the whole, you know everybody talking about what they plan on doing this year, you know, kind of everybody's mantra, uh, which I think was very positive. And I hope people took some stuff away from that, you know, start with one thing and My do phone it. just said, time for me to go to bed. You know, and, and Yeye talking about family, I think, is uh, super important. So I think that there were uh, a bunch of nice takeaways. So, What what takeaways do you guys have? 
Give me, hey, give me don't first, give me the professor. face, professor. You know every time you come on here, we do takeaways. It's a part of the podcast, bro. All right, I'll go. <clears throat> Caterer. Family's important. Pick something and do that shit. And your words are important because people will look at you differently. Okay. Yeah. So to kind of just build off maybe the second half. Since the, no, 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 the second half, like to kind of to maybe give that a positive spin is that... Oh, it's very positive, yes. Well, no, no. <laughs> is that four people with differing opinions can sit around and have an active discussion about things, and I, I know my viewpoints were changed after hearing other people's point of views, and I feel like, to a certain degree, everyone sitting here maybe saw things in a different light. How and, so? How did your viewpoints change? Um, so kind of talking about, like, when... Cody and Jeff were posing the questions about how do you view or support someone who's done something like that. It's kind of something I hadn't put a lot of thought into. And so like hearing their viewpoint about you can't support people like that. I was like, Oh, that's, that's an interesting point. Let's like talk about that and figure that out. And so negotiating that space and hearing why and the different kind of extremes, I think like put that in a new light for me to think about, you know what I mean? And I think that's part of what not enough people are doing, right? Whether it's politics or these complicated issues, they're not sitting down and talking about it and like actually thinking it through instead of just being back in a corner and finding a way to get further in the corner, not listening. Um, and so for me, I think it's a it's an interesting chance to have like, um, despite these complicated, heavy, dark, whatever issues you want to call, is to sit there and talk about the complexity of them and that people are willing to have that conversation and not just start shouting over each other um, was definitely a positive for me. That's a great point, brother. Yeah. You. Uh, I think my takeaways were that uh, I know that I can watch Fox News for at least 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, but also um, the make it happen part that you spoke about, Jeff, with actually uh, taking action on becoming a voiceover actor and what it takes to actually make it happen, uh, the decide and do every single day. And one of the things that Cody mentioned about doing something creative every day uh, really stood out to me because I, I, I take that to heart. I think, you know, for artists or for creators, like you have to be in that space. And whatever realm it is, whatever you're trying to do, if you want to accomplish something that you have to do something that lends itself to making you better within that space every day. Even if it's not that particular thing, but something that's going to help build a skill that can help improve upon uh, that talent, um, I think it's important to do that every day. Um, and then being able to, to Brian's point, have an open discussion about, you know, and we do that every time. Like we have the open discussion about, uh, difficult things and we, we find ways to, uh, navigate through the hard parts. And, um, even though we may not agree on everything, we're willing to listen and understand the other person's perspective. And I think we especially did that today. Uh, and I know that Cody thinks that people that use the N-word once a month aren't racist. So that's, I mean, that's, that's the takeaway for me. So I'll, I'll have to, uh, I have to uh, 
tiptoe around Cody from now on. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Um, but so, those are some of my takeaways. And then <clears throat> the importance of family. We talked about that early on. And you talked about your daughter and, uh, you know, her, I mean, her complete, the, the swing of the pendulum from one, from not being a great student to becoming a great student and having one class left to graduate, I think that speaks volumes to just your patience with her, uh, at least through these episodes that I'm aware of. <laughs> your patience, your patience with her, and and the uh, and the commitment to ensuring that uh, she can accomplish and ultimately graduate high school is is very important thing. And even though it wasn't like we didn't directly say that, um, I think that's what stood out to me. Uh, so, yeah. Nice. Think it's about that time. It's about that time, man. Pew pew. It's about that time. Pew pew. It's about that time. It's about that time. Hey, do you have like a new a new way to introduce? Ladies and gentlemen. I don't feel like that's a new way, bro. I feel like you've done that before. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Beast Mode moment. That was horrible. Yay, yeah, yeah, Beast Mode moment. The Beast Mode moment today comes courtesy of Team Grasshopper. Compassion is a value that expresses our human regard for one another. We talked about some individuals today that have done some despicable things. Yep. Right? That being said, everyone has faults. Everyone uh, falls down sometimes. Um, everyone has their own demons. And I think the ability to try to understand is important. And obviously there's extreme cases, right? But being able to express compassion and empathy with others I feel demonstrates that humanism that all of us possess um, that can help us kind of work through those hard moments and those difficult moments that happens in life for everybody. Nice, brother. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is JJ Martinez. And this is the Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast. And thank you for listening. Right now, what we'd like to do is hang for about five minutes. 
five minutes my ass, bro. That's a long ass time to keep people on, on this podcast to get to your uh, Jeff's joint. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, we've come, we've come to the point in the show where Big Jeff, musician, voiceover actor, if you don't know his history, Google this dude. Google him. Google him. Google him. Uh, he has his own webpage now, but back in the days, man, this dude was a, a, a musician in a group singing his butt off, and music has been so important to his life that we decided to include that part of him in the Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast every single time. Jeff listens to everything that we've talked about, and at the end of the episode, he ties that up in a song that he think encompasses every single aspect of the Beauty and the Beast Mode episode. So, ladies and gentlemen, I talk like this at the end of every episode because Big Jeff doesn't have anything queued up. You know why? Because he can't come in with something queued up because he doesn't know the direction of the podcast. You know why? Because we don't plan on the podcast. Because we get on here and we go off the cuff and we invite people like the professor and we invite people like the caterer to come in and have this discussion with us and we don't know where it's going to go. But the entire time, Big Jeff is paying keen attention to everybody's words. And at the end of the episode, he makes that click with a song that he knows will wrap up this episode in a way that no words outside of a song can. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado... I'd like to present to you Jeff's joint. One child grows up to be somebody that just loves to learn. And I know who that is. Another child grows up to be somebody you just love to burn. Mom loves the both of them. You see, it's in the blood. You almost had me for a second because the voice, very similar to Lou Rawls, but... Nice. Lou Rawls? No. Sly and Family Stone. Sly. Bam. Yeah! Tell us about it, Jeff. Why'd nice. you pick that? Well, the lyrics speak for themselves. You say that every time, but tell us why you picked but it. But it's true. Uh, the song is called Family Affair by Sly and the Family Stone. Uh... Blood's thicker than mud. With everything that we've spoken about, uh, you know, Ye Ye and myself and the guys, the professor and the caterer, uh, Ye Ye shared uh, some personal stuff today and it just kind of stuck with me. Um, So I I know we spoke earlier, but I had sent uh, I'd sent my DNA sample out to ancestry.com uh, just a couple of days ago, 
you know, we all know about the BPs and the APs. <laughs> you better ask somebody. Uh, so, you know, just kind of thinking about my parents and them getting older and uh, just a whole bunch of stuff as well as, you know, friends who are like family. You know, it doesn't have to be blood. But, you know, having some close friends that you know that would be there for you through thick and thin no matter what. And uh, just how important family really is. You know, I know so many people get caught up in the everyday, doing this and doing that, you know, kind of forgetting sometimes, just assuming that parents or family will be there uh, instead of on the daily making that phone call or visiting. Uh, so that's why I picked that song. Very good song. Uh, thank you for picking that one. Uh, parting shots. February 14th, Jacksonville, Florida. The Wine Bar. Live comedy album recording. Uh, that's where I'll be doing the thing. Anybody in Jacksonville, Florida, come on out and have a good time with us. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? So... That'll be exciting. Uh, Cody the Caterer, Brian the Professor, as always, we appreciate you guys being here. Big Jeff, yep, yep. I love you, brother. I love the things that you're doing, and I cannot love wait to hear your voice on uh, one of these violent video games. <laughs> as long as you aren't saying any racist words, we'll be all good. <laughs> But, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Beauty and the Beast Mode Podcast. I'm Yeye Martinez. This is Big Jeff. Till next time, peace. See ya.